We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Today is Wednesday, September 9th. I'm Jeff Erickson. I'm here with my co-host and friend, Scott Engel. Uh, you can catch Scott at Rotoballer, at Sportsline.com, and at Seahawks.com. Pretty uh, representative of how the industry is. A lot of people working multiple gigs right now. Scott, what's going on? How are you? Yeah, it's it's good good to be with you, Jeff. Uh, a good buddy for a long time in this industry. It's uh, you know, this look been looking forward to this. And uh, yeah, you know, we're wearing a lot of different uh, different baseball caps. You know, that's what we what we do nowadays. But you know, it's it's fun. You know, the the roto baller guys are just some of the very best people in the industry. With sportsline.com, you can go ahead, go home again. And I, but Seahawks.com, I've been doing it for the last eight years. And uh, you know, I was drafted the same year as Russell Wilson. Oh, there you go. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, one of my more owned players this year, too, as a matter of fact, uh, Russell Wilson. And I, I I know from drafting with you at times that he's a frequent uh, guy on your teams as well. And, you know, he, him and Marshawn Lynch, Lynch, it always used to be back in, like, when we were doing serious XM drafts together. Well, with Lynch, it was just a thing of everybody bumped him down the board because they said he didn't catch enough passes. I said, uh, I always said, you know, top four running back because the running numbers are so good, it compensates for it. And with Wilson, he was always a value. Now he doesn't come out of the value, but, you know, everybody's cop. When a Super Super Bowl champion wins and, you know, sets a precedent, like, when the Seahawks did seven years ago, everybody was defense running game. Now you see all these offenses changing to be like the quote Legion of zoom and quote. And I think that's what the Seahawks have done. Wilson has his deepest receiving crew ever. And I think he could score 400 fantasy points for the first time in his career. Yeah. Uh, and you know, one of the things is with uh, Brian Schottenheimer uh, coordinated offense, he does like to establish that run. He does, especially early in games and early in downs, do you think that changes at all this year? 
I think it does, you know, just for the reason that I said, Jeff, you know, people follow um, other teams, follow a model of what the Super Bowl champion does. Right. The San Francisco, you know, we've how many years did we hear defense win championship? And then finally last year, it didn't. The NFL is a passing league. You know, and Brian Schottner and Pete Carroll have to evolve with it. Pete's, you know, Pete's philosophy was always run the ball, limit the mistakes, let the quarterback win in the fourth quarter. But Russell Wilson knows the league is changing that's why he outwardly called for more offensive pieces to throw the ball earlier in the game and here's another reason i really like wilson wilson was always so good because he was practicing against the legion of boom all the time you know when you you didn't see a better defense when, when the game started and now the Seahawks secondary revamped. Jamal Adams was a huge pickup. Quadre Diggs is a really good safety. Quentin Dunbar is an improvement over over Trey Flowers, and Shaq Griffin is a top quarterback. So when he when he when he practices against a back seven like that, because the linebackers are really good too, that just makes him a better quarterback. And DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are an outstanding, uh, you know. A standing pair for him, yeah. plus deep yeah. tight end crew, and eventually Josh Gordon. Yeah. What, yeah, what's going on? What's the latest with Gordon? He's still got to get official reinstatement, right? Yeah, he hasn't been officially lifted. Carol was saying that he doesn't know exactly uh, when he's going to to be reinstated, but he's going to be the number three receiver. You know, Paul Richardson was there for a few days and he got cut. You know, he's familiar with the offense. I don't think uh, fantasy-wise he has much value. He's really going to be a nice third-down guy from an occasional big play guy. Fantasy-wise, uh, you know, stop chasing 2013 with Josh Gordon because it's just not happening. Oh, for sure. I don't even consider yeah. him. And honestly, my league mates haven't. I, I don't. I don't see him. I still see people getting excited, though. Among the mainstream, I'm not trying to sound snobby, Jeff. Among the mainstream, you know, fantasy drafters. Oh, you know, should I pick up Josh Gordon at the end of my roster? No. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's guy I've heard yeah. of. Instead of digging into the corner, sure, of course, a little bit that you get yeah. a little bit of that. I do get a lot of DK Metcalf. I I'm I couldn't be more bullish on him. Happy to take him. You know, he's part of that rich wide receiver third fourth round tier. Where you just you know pick off the guys that you like. Some people have a preference for Robert Woods. Other people like DK Metcalf. I, I happen to like DK Metcalf. Yeah, he's my 16th rank receiver. Uh, you know, I I was at that playoff game last year against the Eagles, and I was kept watching him all year and saying, you know what, the only thing he's not doing is is uh, you know winning contested catches. I said, you know, battling for the ball. I said, when he does that, I said, the kid's, the kid's stock, his fantasy stock is going to go through the roof. You know, he's, he's just going to be, become a much better player. And he, you saw it, a record-setting performance. Right. He was winning jump balls, beating beating double teams, leaping over them. And Russell Wilson said in the post-game presser, he said, I've been telling him all along, attack the ball, attack the ball. And that's what he's done. And Russell Wilson, before Metcalf came along, had never had a receiver like that with a size-speed combination, a big receiver who could get deep like that. And it's just a perfect connection. DK Metcalf left in the perfect situation. I remember because I get press credentials for the Mets and – Michael Conforto's a Seahawks fan, and we always talk. You know, Michael's from Washington, played his high school football there, and he's like, who do you want to get in the draft? He said to me after day one, I said, DK Metcalf's still on the board. Next day I walked into the locker room and said, oh, we got Metcalf. (laughs) Yeah. And I remember at the Combine, the big deal, you know, was was that he was an extreme at all expense, you know, you know. You know, this straight ahead speed, the strength was off the charts. The shuttle run was off the charts in the negative direction. It's like, how much does that matter? Turns out, not so much. Well, he heard that. He heard that criticism. And he took that to heart. And he really worked on his route running. And over the season, he progressively got better. Now, he's still not... He's still not uh, quite where he wants to be, I think. Or he wasn't where he wanted to be at the end of the year. But he got a lot better. Yeah, he, he certainly did. Uh, and, yeah, I, I expect big things in year two. I mean, it, we always like year two wide receivers, but the, they were so productive as rookies, It's you almost want to say, do we temper our expectations a little bit? The likes of Metcalf or T, uh, Terry McLaurin, who I absolutely love as well. There's just so yeah. many good rookies last year. 
Yeah, I just like Metcalf better than all the second-year receivers, mm-hmm. not putting the other receivers down. A.J. Brown play, plays in a much more base run-based offense. You know, the Titans are not going to change what they do, and they're going to base it around Derrick Henry. Big play, great. The, the underrated thing about A.J. Brown is his ability to separate from defensive backs when he gets in the open field. He's got well, some of the best separation years in the game. Right. And That's he strange. also knows— to go with that, yeah. too. Yeah, he also knows how to position himself fundamentally, like almost post up a defensive back basketball-wise and catch it right in front of him. I like that. And McLaurin was a pleasant surprise, but you know the quarterback situation and the offensive situation is so much better for Metcalf. It is. It absolutely is. I'm yeah. with you on that for sure. Uh, so big news coming out today uh, was Mike Evans. All of a sudden, you know, he's got a, a soft tissue issue injury. And is missing practice time with the Bucks, you know, and they, they they might be all the way up to a game time decision, at a, at a in, a in a matchup where frankly he hasn't been very good against the Saints the last few times out. Yeah, it's it's different from Mike Evans this year because this is going to be a different offense. Yep. It's going to be a different team. They're not going to have to gun it because they're not throwing interceptions. They're not playing from behind. The defense is a lot better. I have a top five fantasy ranked. I believe Leonard Fournette, who looks terrific in camp since he came over. You know, I was watching some footage of him. He looks outstanding. You know, I don't like Ronald Jones. I call him No Joe because I I just don't <laughs> want any any part of Ronald Jones. Uh, but you know, with Evans, you know they're not. Not going to have to gun it nearly as much, and I don't think he's a top fifteen fantasy wide receiver this year. I think he's still top twenty or so. But uh, you know, and, and you have to remember, even though it's Tom Brady, and this is why my lineup rankings for Week One, I'm you know I'm bumping down you know certain players who just with new teams or rookies. Tom Brady hasn't played any sort of real game action with his new team. So, you know, exhibition games, yeah, he might only play one or two, but you still need those reps. Training camp has been unusual. So, but, you know, it's still Tom Brady. I think you're going to see a lot of Godwin, but they, I think that makes Scotty Miller maybe a, a nice DFS uh, value play for week one. Very well could be. Uh, I also think maybe that means Gronk, you know, he goes with the uh, guy he knows he's most comfortable with. I know there are reports yeah. about Gronk having conditioning issues early at training camp, but. They, they're on the same page route-wise. They know each other. They trust each other. Yeah, I think, you know, Gronk's a top 10 fantasy tight end this, this week. I don't think he's top five because you still want to see him. It's You know, it's it's been it's been a year off. So how's he going to look in game action? There's nothing they've done in, in training camp to replicate game action whatsoever. Yeah, that's right. And we can't overrate it because, you know, how much do the starters really get in exhibition games? But, you know, still, it's been an unusual preseason. Right. I mean, the thing is, I mean, that's been one of the things that those of us who rank are in, you know, have picks and pans and things of that nature. You know, it's been as hard as ever. It's not only lack of preseason, but no mini camps, no OTAs, you know, re- reporting restrictions for that matter. You know that you know you, you can't report like who's practicing with which group early in training camp, and now we're into our regular season you know mode here. We're not even getting you know details on injuries until today. Like we we had all these guys with undisclosed injuries, and now we're finding out what they are. We're we're trying to as it goes along, and I think it's really difficult this year. Yeah, it is. You know, there's you know because some teams aren't forthcoming with the injury reports, etc. Uh, and you know this sets back a lot of rookies. And players who have changed new teams and just, you know, not getting those reps with the, their new teams. It's you're going to see a lot of rookies, you know, just come along slower. And I, one thing, people just put too much emphasis on the word starter. Oh, you know, I hear that, you know, uh, Cam Akers is not going to be the starter, etc. You know, people overrate that. You know, starting means you're going to be on the field for the first play of the game. It doesn't mean, you know, there, there might be a committee and then the guys drop in drafts. You have to be patient, though. But, you know, Cam Akers, at the same time, in week one, he's not in my top 24 because I'm uncertain of his workload. I don't like Todd Gurley. I didn't draft Todd Gurley anywhere. But Todd Gurley's going to be on the field and be a feature back for this week. So I'm ranking Todd Gurley ahead of Cam Akers. But there was no way I was going to draft Cam Akers. But you can't live in the now fantasy-wise. Whether you're drafting now, you're setting your lineup for week now, 
what week one now. You can't live in the short term and especially make your draft decisions based on that. Oh, yeah, Cam Akers not going to open the season as a starter. I'm going to bump him down my board. You can't do that. I think it's a great point. And this week is like where, you know, scribes dutifully forward on the depth chart reports. We saw that with the Lions. We saw it. Even J.K. Dobbins, who drew raves in Ravens camp. Oh, he's fourth on the depth chart. Okay, that that's just like an order. How long is that going to last? Two plays. Three plays. Yeah, two plays. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And Mark Ingram's one, and that's fine. He he had a good year. Very good year. Top 10 running back last year. But And, and you know, they, they did a little succession planning because they could. They had that sort of strong of a roster to begin with that, okay, Dobbins will share this year, and next year he'll be the man. But I think it'll be before the end of this year. I think he'll take over it by the, you know, so at some point in the season, he's just going to be too good to keep off the field. Yeah, you know, sometimes, though, it's about talent. It's not always about talent. I still call it the old C.J. Spiller lesson. I mean, I know where you're coming from, but, uh, you know, just for the listener's benefit, that everybody wanted C.J. Spiller to get more reps, and he just never did. And what fantasy players want and what they actually get are two different things. I think that a lot of fantasy players are going to want Dobbins to vault up the depth chart, but Mark Ingram was damn good last yes, year. He was. You know, yeah. he 15 total touchdowns from scrimmage. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the Ravens are in a rush to make the transition, but you know, Ingram is in his final year. He's going to be, you know, he's going to be older next year. I think he's, I think he's 30 now. And, you know, although I don't put age, I never, I never stick with you know, with age as like a marker necessarily. For me, it's more carries. A lot of running backs sure. have a lot sure. of carries at age 30, but look at Clinton Portis. He, he flamed out well before, before the age of 30. You know, it's really about workload more than it is anything. And then people make mistakes too. They think 30 is old. For you know any position, it's like oh Julio Jones is old, you know and like thirty one's not old for a wide receiver. The decline age is thirty three. Russell Wilson getting old at thirty, that's not old for a quarterback. Yeah. When he when, he, when he's thirty five, come back and talk to me about that. Right, right. Maybe he'll yeah. scramble a little less often. Maybe that'll be the adjustment he makes. It's, so. it's happened already, though. It's yes. You know, he comes back on it the last two years, so. You know, he's he's become a bit. I remember when he was early in his career, they're like, you know, oh, you know, he's he's a game manager and a scrambler. And like, you, you haven't watched the games. You know, the defense won the championship. I'm like, you haven't watched the games. The Seahawks were seven and nine with Marshawn Lynch and the Legion of Boom the year before Russell Wilson was drafted. That was the final piece in the championship puzzle. Yeah, and it was kind of an accident that he was a starter right away. I mean, they went out and signed a you know a free agent. They signed Matt Flynn and thought you know gave up a d- decent amount of capital uh, for you know salary cap wise for him. And they 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 signed him or they trade. I think they traded for Matt Flynn if I'm not mistaken. They, uh, memory's a little fuzzy on that. I'm pretty sure they traded a draft pick for him, but yeah. you know. Whatever. You know you're going to be quizzed on Matt Flynn when you agree to do this pro- pro- uh, podcast. But no, <laughs> you know, no. Yeah. But hey, you know, I, you can quiz me about any Seahawk from me. Right. You know, we we can sit here and talk about Stan Gelbaugh if you want. You know, we could, we could indeed. But yeah, that we, we might lose some of our audience if we did that. But uh, just yeah, that's going true. On about that's that. true. Let, Lenny, Lenny Melnick would still listen if I that's if right. I mentioned J- Jim Zorn. He would. In fact, he demanded. it. In fact. Uh, yeah, love. You know, he want to come on and talk about why he tittle. You know, but that's another story. He tell us to carve that but, name into our into the dining yeah. room table. Uh, yeah, uh, Flynn signed a three year deal with. Uh, it looked like it was a free agent signing. Yeah, I think you're right, Al. I'm looking at yeah, three year three year free agent signing. I was excited when they got Flynn, and you know, like, who's this rookie? Uh oh, we're starting a rookie, and then I saw him and said, Oh, I get it, I get it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, one other note. Uh, Amari Cooper, you know, quietly, this is another thing, you know, this happens all, not just uh, in, you know, in 2020, but it happens a lot of years where you guys nurse injuries in training camp. They kind of, it goes under the radar a little bit. Next thing, oh, he hasn't practiced in a week, by the way. Uh, and that was the case with Amari Cooper. He was a limited practice, uh, participant in today's practice. Uh, he was on the side doing rehab work. They, they haven't actually, as, as far as I can tell, they haven't disclosed the official cause, although I saw that he was stretching his quad, is a report I saw last week. Are you nervous at all about him this week? 
I haven't seen anything that's major. But what, what, what worries me more about Amari Cooper is his home road splits, and he's on the road this week. Yeah, that's true. That, that's, yeah. But why is that a thing with him? Um, is is because he's gone? He's this has been a pattern for him with two different organizations now. It's. I think it's unexplainable. It's got to be something mental. You know, interesting. And I'll use another sport as as an analysis. I used to ask Bud Norris, uh, who's a friend, uh, you know, about pitching at home versus pitching in the road, and he said it's different. It's just mentally different when you when you pitch at home. You know, you even if you don't live in the city, though, but it, it's still home to you. And you know, you're in your own bed, mm-hmm. your creature comforts, etc. You know, you're just you're just more mentally comfortable. You're you're in front of a supportive crowd. It's just it's an intangible thing more than anything. And I think you know, having media access to baseball for for te- for ten years, you know, you see things differently than you normally would. Uh, you know, people would say, oh, you know, why does that team have Alex Cora? Uh, why? Here's a good example. Why is Tommy Hunter on the Phillies roster? It, because, you know, even Philly fans are like, why do we have Tommy Hunter? But then when, when I walk in the Phillies clubhouse, who's the commanding presence in the clubhouse? The guy that everybody looks up to, that even Bryce Harper is hanging on his every word. It's Tommy Hunter. Because these guys are clubhouse leaders, you know that's the that's the intangible thing. You see, you see some veteran football players like, why is Adrian Peterson on the roster? And because Adrian Peterson is going to teach DeAndre Swift how to be a great running back. Yeah. So let me ask you about that, though. What does that mean in the short term for Swift's playing time? I know he's another guy that was banged up in training camp that we really don't have a handle on. How are you approaching Swift this week with your ranks? I'm not starting him at all. I still like him in the longer term. I had read where one Lions beat writer had actually said that he thought, you know, when he was drafted that, okay, this guy's going to be an instant rushing champion. He's electric with the ball in his hands. And the Lions are looking towards the future. I don't think they think they're a Super Bowl contender this year. But again, you look, you look at the Chiefs. And now offense is going to win Super Bowls, and they are building quite the offense. And and Bob Quinn has been trying to get an anchor running back for years to establish a run game. It's not carry on Johnson because he can't stay healthy, and that's why he drafted Swift. So later, some point later this year, you're going to see him start to emerge. You got to stash him. You got to be patient because patience. That's the name of the game in fantasy football this year. You've got to be patient. Players who've changed teams, I have no doubt that Leonard Fournette's going to be the lead running back in Tampa Bay, but it's going to take time because he was signed late in unusual preseason. These rookies, you're going to have to be patient. And with the Lions, to me, Kenny Galladay, I would be surprised if he outscores everybody but Michael Thomas this year in fantasy at wide receiver. That guy is a major all-around threat. He is was seventh in contested catch rate last year in the NFL. I think he's even better than that. He yardage after the catch, led the NFL in touchdown receptions, were playing without Stafford for half a year, and caught six of his 11 touchdowns inside the red zone. I am all about Kenny Galladay is like the guy who busts through to the elite this year. That's your guy that you're snagging in the second middle of the second round then. Uh, I've got him towards the end. Yep. I, I usually focus on running backs if I can, because if you don't get one of the top 15 to start the year, you're not going to be comfortable with your number two. Yeah, that's right. So if I can get Galladay in the third round, I'm all about it. You know, and I, I took him in pros with Joe's last night. Right. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Yeah. Uh, we got to share a little, uh, do a little business here. Our friends at Owner's Box want to share, do you love the strategy of season-long fantasy sports? Live for the quick hit of DFS? Then be the first to try weekly fantasy sports, WFS, from Owner's Box. Owner's Box is kicking off the 2020 NFL season in a big way by giving everyone 25 Owner's Bucks to try the game for free. 
In addition, Owner's Box will be matching users' first deposit of up to $50. Weekly Fantasy Sports keeps players engaged through live drafting, social interaction, and a new layer of strategy that puts the power back in your hands. Compete with your opponent over seven days of fierce competition and get paid out weekly. New public and private contests start every day. The Owner's Box game provides users with a fun and engaging rule set that revolves around a set number of game opportunities by roster position. Your players can earn you points throughout the week, but only if you have enough games available at that position. Owner's Box allows users to engage socially in multiple different ways with the community, add friends, create groups, and rank up to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. Sign up today to try Weekly Fantasy Sports for free. But that's not it. Each Weekly Fantasy Sports contest you will participate in will give you one entry into a signed Drew Brees jersey giveaway. In honor of the NFL season, Owner's Box will also be matching your first-time deposit of up to $50. Head on over to www.ownersbox.com slash rotowire to claim your rewards and join the new wave of fantasy sports. I'm Jeff Erickson. My co-host is my friend Scott Engel. You can catch Scott at Rotoballer at Sportsline.com and Seahawks.com. Scott, you and I both did the Pros with Joe's charity draft last night. Uh, 14-teamer, pretty uh, stout draft. Uh, fun draft. Uh, you got the you were drafting out of the two spot, though, which is a pretty nice spot to start off with. Yeah, well, you know as an experienced fantasy player yourself, we can draft from anywhere and be sure. fine with it. Yeah. So uh, one thing I noticed, you know, it's a 14-teamer. It kind of forces some different decisions. You're talking about how you like to begin with a, get at least one stout running back. I had that tough spot. I was in the sixth slot, you know, and and also it's not just me. It's my partner, Ron Huggins, who, you know, talking with him and we were on speakerphone the whole time going back and forth, talking through our picks like you someone's got to you know play, you know, play chicken and take Michael Thomas in the first round. And that dictates a lot of your draft strategy afterward. You know, how do you how you want to build your team? Uh, we ended up being that team at one six. And I'll tell you, you know. I'm actually not unhappy, not unhappy with the result, even a 14-teamer, but it's hard getting that first running back. We had to get James Conner at 2-9 and at pick 23. I felt lucky just to get him. Yeah, that, that's the thing in regular leagues. If you want to go Michael Thomas in the first round because it makes sense, because he is the safest high-level pick in fantasy football yep. uh, more than anybody, even McCaffrey. And you can come around the second round and maybe grab a Nick Chubb. And then the third, the third round becomes more of the area where you can grab some underrated backs like Chris Carson and James Conner. You know, those guys are capable of playing at RB1 levels when they're healthy. You just have to make sure that you get Carlos Hyde and Benny Snell as your fantasy insurance policies. Right. Um, that's right. And that, that's the thing. It's a, in a 14-teamer, too, it's hard to find that depth. So we kind of had a plan, uh, and this is our roster build. We were like, okay, well, I don't really like the Todd Gurley's and the, the other running backs that are available in the third and fourth round, but I love the wide receivers. So why not just you know steer into it a little bit? We got our one running back, got four wide receivers, and just kept going after like upside guys after that, and kind of hoping we can you know have someone that, that fills the grid. Yeah, wide receivers deep, and the thing about a fourteen-team league when you start three wide receivers and a flex, you're never going to have the perfect starting lineup. You're never going to look at that and say, "Wow, yeah. I love what I drafted at every single position." So, you know, that's why I grabbed C.D. Lamb as my third receiver, but you know, I also backed it up with Bashard Perriman because, you know, I don't think I could start Lamb right out of the gate. Well, and that's the thing. If if Cooper goes, then yeah, it's going to be harder if he doesn't. You know, if if he's limited in some way, uh, and I think I'm reading a report that he was actually had a pretty good practice today later on today, so maybe he'll be. Yeah, fine. Uh, hamstring hamstring injuries always concern me, though. For sure, me too. You know, it's, it's especially with 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 speed guys. You know, with right. uh, I've always bumped down a, a a guy a few notches if he's coming down with a hamstring injury. You know, we Miles Sanders coming off a hamstring injury, but. Then again, you know, there was a good point made on, on, you know, by one of the insiders on Twitter. If they were really worried about his health, you know, they're cutting running backs and they're not signing anybody else. Right. So, look, it's legitimate that in the first week that you could see more Boston Scott. Boston Scott's underrated for a little guy. You know, he's he's a nice goal line runner. 
Yeah, but I was just going to say, he runs well between the tackles. You, you always think, little guy, okay, he's a scat back, pat, ca- uh, you know, catching, pat, pat, catching passes. But that's not the case here. Yeah, it's, it's not. And you can never just look at a guy's size and assume he's going to be a goal line back. One of my pet peeves that people I respect do in the fantasy industry is that, oh, he could just fall into the end zone six times. That's not how the NFL works. You know, I heard it about Antonio Gibson. He's so big that he could just fall into the end zone six times. And that's not how the NFL works. You know, that LeGarrette Blunt at the beginning of his career was a horrible goal line runner. Right? Right. And, and uh, you know, he became much better later in his career, one of the best in the NFL, because he had to learn how to make himself small. He needed to learn leverage. He needed to learn leg drive. And when things get compact in the end zone area, you know, you're facing multiple defenders. Like Barry Sanders was never a good goal linebacker. Reggie Bush was. It's not about size. It's, you know, some players are just better goal line runners. And that's why Boston Scott's, you know, nifty for week one is a DFS play. I, you know, it may be even a flex if you're in a desperate situation. But, you know, the, the, the Eagles are going to bring Sanders along slowly, but he's still going to be out there, I think. And, yeah. you yes. know, he's got yeah. a limited practice today. I just saw the news come across on that, too. So, yeah, if he if he if he starts you play him, you know, you don't you don't think about it. You know, although hamstrings do concern me, hamstrings and ankles concern me more than anything else. Sure. A guy's got a bad, bad wheel or a bad hamstring. It worries me. And you know, that's I'll go. I'll tell people go the other way. When, when you're in doubt, always go with the healthy player, I say. Right. Uh, by the way, I have some clarity. Uh, Cooper's issue was a hamstring. Uh, it was a full participant in today's practice. However, DeAndre Swift, who we were talking about earlier, his issue is a hip, uh, and he was a limited pract- uh, participant in Wednesday's practice. I, I have him in a dynasty league, so I'm, that's the only place I have any exposure to him, so I'm fine with that. But I, I, I'd have a hard time starting him this week. I, I don't think I can. Yeah, he's not in my top 40 this week Yeah, at all. You know, Karrion Johnson's just out beside my top 35. Right. Although I may have to, I may have to bump him up, but Peterson just signed a week ago. Right. So how how much run is he really going to get? That's you know, a, they that's you know question. you might you might you might see a little bit of Ty Johnson this week. Not that I would use him. Right. And Kenny Galladay was a limited participant in today's practice with a hamstring. So uh, something to watch for with him. You know, we're starting to see that little stuff crop up. Him. Uh, we saw Brandon Cook Cooks is dealing with a quad. Uh, the Houston Texans said that uh, they didn't practice today, but if they had, he would have been listed as limited. Uh, and they play tomorrow night, obviously, so we kind of have to make a tough decision on him. Great matchup against yeah. the Chiefs. If you have Brandon Cooks, are you using him? I don't think it's necessarily a great matchup. Okay. Uh, or, you know, the, the, the Chiefs had a better defense last year than people gave him credit for. And you have to remember that Deshaun Watson has a totally new receiving crew. And he hasn't played a game with them yet. So uh, if I'm betting on this, you know, I'm definitely taking the Chiefs and the points. Yeah. Uh, I, and I'm with you on that part uh, for sure. And that's the thing, if you don't mind me bringing it up. And I know you're going to see this because you're so experienced in what you do. You know, you're one of the greats. I see so many experts who I respect saying, play this guy based on this matchup, based on last year's numbers. And to me, that's a mistake for two reasons. Number one, that was last year. You think the NFL teams don't know that number and are trying to you know, improve on what they did last year? Some teams didn't improve. It makes sense, but you just can't throw it out for every one. Plus, you know, there's going to be teams that these guys haven't played together, and they won't look as good offensively. You know, I, I saw one guy I really respect saying Cam Newton's got a great matchup this week because the Dolphins, the Dolphins defense is significantly improved. And when was the last time Cam Newton played a regular season game? So basing matchups on last year's stats is very dangerous. And, and you know, even I, getting granular, like saying they can't stop a tight end or, yeah, well, they couldn't last year, but they probably spent all offseason working on it because they're normal, yeah. sentient human beings that can think and you know realize that they're going to try to act and try to improve. The, co- the coaches spend all offseason watching film. 
and making adjustments, especially with an division, you know, when you're right. who you're going to face. Hayden Hurst is a, is a good example this this week. You know, what do you think about him? I like Hayden Hurst, but the Seahawks got Jamal Adams now at safety. This yeah, people always say, oh, the cover three. You know, the Seahawks were always vulnerable to the tight end, but I don't believe when Pete Carroll's a very very smart coach and a very smart person. The best coaches adjust, don't make especially great players adjust to their schemes. They adjust their schemes to fit the player. Right. And, and uh, you know, the, the, the Jets defensive coordinator was saying, oh, he, he's not going to be happy in Seattle because they play a vanilla scheme. Pete Carroll's not going to force Jamal Adams to play – to play his his normal cover three scheme, he's going to let him roam around the field for what he does best. And two of the things he does best is one of the things he does best is covers tight ends and running backs coming out of the backfield. So how much can you like Hayden Hurst if he's going to be covered by Jamal Adams, who's underrated in coverage right. and one of just simply one of the best? You know, teams teams have have seen this uh, that. Okay, we're bad against the tight end. Some teams don't make adjustments. Some teams do. But you just can't look at last year's numbers, and I think it's a mistake that a lot of people I respect make. And, hey, I made my mistakes too. Hey, I I called Monty Ball an early-round pick a few years ago, so I'm not perfect. The best of us are only right 55% of the time. But fundamentally, I think it's a flaw. Right. I I think that's a great point. Uh, Best example I can think of when you're talking about coaches is Brian Billick. He was the offensive coordinator for the high-flying uh, Vikings offense with Randy Moss and you know Robert Smith, they, you know all, all, that whole team. And then he's the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens as a defense and running team. I mean, he he adjust, adjusted. That's the personnel yeah. he had, and it worked. Yeah, he won a Super Bowl. And that, Mike March, Mike March did the opposite when he left Los Angeles. Yeah, he did. That's right. Uh, yeah. So there, there you go. Uh, okay. Uh, before we move on, and we, I do want to get to talk about your pros with Joe's team, but another uh, copy from our friends at Underdog. Say hello to your new favorite place to play fantasy football for real money. Underdog Fantasy. With Underdog, all you need to do is the fun part, draft. Forget about injuries, trades, waivers, and setting lineups. Just set it, forget it, and wait for the winnings to come in. This year, they have a $1 million tournament. That's right. Just draft the best team, and you have a shot at $1 million in prizes. Sign up for Underdog today and enter the Best Ball Mania for a chance at $1 million in prizes by going to underdogfantasy.com or searching for Underdog Fantasy in your app store. Be sure to enter the code ROTOWIRE after you make your first deposit. I'm Jeff Erickson. I'm here with Scott Engel. Uh, Scott, let's talk about your pros versus uh, pros with Joe's draft that you did. You had the two pick. You started off Saquon Barkley. You knew that coming in that you would likely be how you were going to start. What was your plan after that? My plan was pretty much make sure with my next two picks to get a running back. Uh, you know, hopefully one of the top 15 or so would drop to me and a top wide receiver. And sitting in the second round, uh, you know, I was already seeing that the, the top 15 were pretty much gone. Right. So, uh, so I, but you know, I, I lucked into, so I took Galladay. And then I took Akers because I believe over the longer term that he's going to be that feature back. And then somehow in the fourth round, Melvin Gordon was still there and I I couldn't resist. So I could start the year with Melvin Gordon, too. So I I believe people people underrate him. It was just two years ago that he was a first round pick. Yeah, I like that. I like that pick. I know he's dealing with the ribs a little bit earlier, but he's fine now. Um, There he does potentially have a timeshare of Phil Lindsay, but even a timeshare would be fine. And there is a flex spot in this league, so you can start all three. And I, I think that that's a solid play to go that route. Uh, it's always different when you have a draft partner and trying to figure out, you know, like, okay, who do you want? Who do I want? When do I put my foot down? When do I, you know, and for the most part last night, I wasn't, you know, I was more like saying, who do you like here? Letting, letting my partner, Ron Huggins decide, you know, I give him some, of my preferences, but then ultimately, I, I tried to make sure that he had agency in this one. Uh, but it's always harder to co-own a team, I've found. Yeah, I, I really don't like co-owning team in most cases. You know, for charity, to do it for big league impact, it's different. Yep. But in my main big money league, uh, 
It's the Greenwich Street Tavern League in New York City, and it consists of experts, high-stakes players. So you'll see people like Adam Ronis are in it, Chris Vaccaro's in it. Uh, and and then you know some some listeners on some Sirius XM people have followed us. Very competitive. We have two leagues in the overall, and I, I I'm losing my train of thought. What was the question again? That's okay. Uh, just such yeah, a drafting rambler. with a partner. You're talking about oh, drafting with a partner. So so I won my individual league the last three years, and the overall. You know, we do like an NFFC style for the overall the last few weeks. The overall two out of the last three years. And I just, I hate co-owners because two years ago, you know, my co-owner and I were, were fighting. We're always friendly, you know, after the draft. He wanted to draft a second tight end in round 10, and we drafted Kyle Rudolph, and I never would have done that. And then last year, I did something I never did before. To me, the boat, the you know, the feather of my cap was always my undefeated season in 2005. Well, I did something last year where that I've never done before in my fantasy history. I started one and six, and after that, I never lost a game again throughout the Super Bowl. Never, yeah. And along the way, my co-owner will go unnamed. Uh, you know, my co-team owner, you know, like he's the owner, I'm the GM sort of thing. My co-owner was embarrassing me to other people, to playfully doing it, but saying, oh, yeah, he's the king. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look at our record. You know, we're one in four. Oh, he made this mistake, that mistake. And he, and he used to needle me over the phone about my picks and who we should start. And I, I, I dumped him at the end of this year. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I just want to make my own decisions. You know, that's yeah. it. It's my team, maybe I sound like an egomaniac, but, you know, it's like I, I do this seriously and I don't need anybody else's. Because so many people, I have one good, real, really good friend. You know, his name is Jason. He works at Guitar World magazine and he's a big fantasy player. And he likes to argue with me about every single thing that I post, it seems. Right. And he, I will never call on a team with that guy. I love him dearly, but I will never call on a team with him. And I think that's important. <laughs> I think it's important to know that. Like, I, I haven't always been great at co-winning teams, but I have done that a couple times in baseball this year. Derek, our buddy Derek Van Riper was doing these charity leagues called the Triple Crown League. So I partnered up with Scott Jenstad on that. That's worked out well. And for the first time in the NFBC, I in the main event, I paired up with Tim Schuler, a guy from RotoWire, and. He and I work really well together, uh, and he always makes sure like we're on top of uh, fab and lineups and all that. And it's nice to have bounce ideas off him and also know, like, yeah. hey, I, I, he, he knows I have a ton of leagues, so I'll handle, he'll like, I'll get it started on that, and then I'll weigh in. We'll go back and forth and all that, and it's really ideal. And it's hard, it's hard to find that perfect working relationship, though. It's hard. Uh, more often than not, I'm like you. I want to make the decisions, all the decisions on my team. Yeah, I just sound like more of a jerk about it than you do. You're more tactful about it than I am. <laughs> but, you know, I, I should. It depends on personality. You know, my co-owner, my, the co-owner of the team, uh, you know, my, my, my Jerry Jones is a Jerry Jones this year. We split it where he doesn't get involved at all. He just he put up half the money because it's not a cheap league. And he said, you run it. Wow. You know, that's it. That's it. It's he always wanted to be in a league with me. And she said, you run it. You take care of it. You know, on draft day, like, you want me to call you in the morning and tell you the team? No. Just you you do it. You know, totally, totally silent partner. It's it's great. You know, it's – but with Adam Ronis, you know, it depends on the personality. I I, sh- I shared the team with, with Adam Ronis, like, years ago, and we were fine. We came to a consensus because we respect each other's decisions. You know, when, when you own with, when you own with somebody though that you know, you know, when you co-manage a team with somebody, you co-coach with with somebody, they're going to try to they're going to try to overrule you and get their point across. It's not going to work out. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So, who was your manager co-manager last night? Uh, my co-manager's name is was Chris. Okay. Uh, and he donated, donated to Big League Impact. And what is Big, uh, Big League Impact? Tell, tell everybody about that real quick. 
big league, big league impact is uh, is a charity started by Adam Wainwright. Okay. And uh, it started in 2013, and it just shows the power of fantasy sports, Jeff. It does. You know, Adam Wainwright, to you know, started this because he's a big fantasy football player, and him and his brother Trey felt like they could give back to the community. And what they started doing was holding charity fantasy drafts in major league cities. So I would go to the Mets one every year, which was run by David Wright. And you would go into the promenade club and they would have four leagues. You make a donation to charity, you get in the league and you get to draft with one or two of the Mets players in your league. And you also get swag, autographed baseballs, pictures with the team, on the field for batting practice. If you win the league, you throw out the first pitch at City Field. But the best part about it is it though, and how Stephen Matz does it, is that you were sitting at a table with your favorite baseball player playing fantasy football with him. What and it all goes to make an impact in people's lives. You know, everything from clean water to you know all sorts of humanitarian causes, medicine, medical. You know, things like that, you know, feeding people, Ronald McDonald House, all these kind of things. And it's all through fantasy sports. It's just it's an amazing concept to me. Where else? What other hobby can you sit at a table with your favorite baseball player? And what other hobby can take charitable proceeds? And this is like pros with Joe's. And affect people's lives because you're playing fantasy football. It's it's the most amazing thing. And bigleagueimpact.org. And you can still get in leagues because what they're doing because of the pandemic, they're adjusting. They're doing salary cap style DFS contests now. So if you're a Mets fan, you can play with Steven Matz and Michael Walker. And in a salary cap style, you can play with Nick Ahmed. If you're a Diamondbacks fan, if you're a Rangers fan, you can play with Kyle Gibson and Lance Lynn, and there's still time to, to get involved. And you know, you can win a trip to spring training next year. You, you win the league, you get to throw out the first pitch at your favorite ballpark. It's awesome. It's really yeah. awesome. So it's a great charity, um, and it, it's it's pretty cool just to see like you know him throwing in like this. I know he is also do. I've, you know, he, he's been calling in a serious XM fantasy. I think he did their he did their uh, celebrity draft, or maybe that's tonight. Actually, if I'm not mistaken, you know, he, he's in. He's all in. I love seeing it. Love seeing stuff. Yeah, Chris 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 Basher is my uh, is my call owner. Cool. And the funny thing is, we were in the Zoom room, and I didn't even find out towards the end of the draft that it, you know he was my he was my uh, my co coach. Ah, there you go. I was yeah. on the phone with mine, so I didn't get into the Zoom room that much. Uh, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, can't reveal our double secret Saturday strategy. Still got snow constantly. But the, most, out, but. but the most fascinating thing is, though, I've, I've had press credentials through the Mets for since 2010, and you know, thank, thank for Mike DeBurgess, my original producer, uh, you know, for coming up with the idea. You know, when we were first starting the channel. You know, why don't we go out to the ballpark and interview the players? And you know, I was I was I was anxious and scared. He showed me all the ropes and then I uh you know, Matt Deutsch getting me the credentials all the time and I found out that fantasy baseball that major league baseball players love fantasy football just as much as the rest of us. Oh yeah. Every, every clubhouse has a fantasy football league. And for the last decade, when the fa- when the baseball players find out I'm a fantasy guy they they treat me totally differently than the rest of the media. I have made a lot of friends among baseball players, and I'm sitting here in my office, and when David Wright retired, he sent me a game-worn jersey from his locker. Oh, wow. And he autographed it in silver on his number. It says, to Scott the King, you're the best. David Wright, and I have that on a frame on my desk. That's amazing. That's really cool. Yeah. That's awesome, and I I can tell you stories. It's you know I re- I remember Derek Lowe being in the Braves clubhouse, and then he's like, "I'm not talking to y'all." I said, "Well, I just wanted to ask you about fantasy football." He goes, "Why?" I said, "Because you know host on fantasy." I you know I told my credentials. He said, "Everybody else, get away from me, except for this guy." <laughs> That's amazing. That's and then so he awesome. pointed to he pointed to a clubhouse chair. He goes, "You now." 
I said, I'm not allowed to sit there. I'm meeting. He goes, you now. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And he wanted yeah. draft tips, I'm sure. He wanted, you know, last, he's like, yeah, you're going to yeah. help me with my draft. I'm sure. But. Last year, I'm in, the, I'm in the Cleveland clubhouse, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I, the players love when I interview them about fantasy football. And so I'm, I go to interview Brad Hand, and he's hanging out with Nick Goody. And you're like, why do you want us to interview my fantasy? And I tell him who I am. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Sit down, dude. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So then they, I interview them, and we're talking about the draft. And so Goody comes back with a baseball, and he gives it to Hand. He goes, sign this. He goes, right, to Scott, right? Mm-hmm. And I, they, they autographed a baseball for me. Mm-hmm. And it's it said, uh, it said, it said, to Scott, you know, this is for you because we're going to win the championship this year. And I said, I can't take that from you. I'm, I'm media. I'm not allowed to get autographs. He goes, I had a knapsack on. He goes, he goes, turn around. And he made sure nobody was watching. He dropped the ball in my knapsack and now it's on my desk. <laughs> That's incredible stuff. That's really yeah. cool. That is, yeah. I love and, hearing and, stuff like that. Yeah, and Eric Hinsky has a um, – has a very high stakes fantasy football league across, you know, with major leaguers. And one year he say, we need one more team. I don't know who yet. I said, ah, just talk to David, right. You know, and he talked to David. David's been in the league for the last eight years. It's his face. At one point I became friendly with Bobby Parnell of the Mets because we're both NASCAR fans. Okay. And I got him to start to play fantasy NASCAR. The next thing the Mets have, he's running a fantasy NASCAR league at the Mets clubhouse. And I got David Wright telling me, uh, I need drivers for this week. <laughs> nice. nice. Um, what, do you, what do you think about this season for NASCAR? It's been pretty wild. Uh, you, know, you know, a lot of ups and downs for a while. It was them and golf had all the coverage for a while. And, you know. Yeah, it was good because my co-host on, uh, on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio on the Rotoballer Show in the weekend edition on Saturday mornings, Mike Florio had never watched NASCAR before. And he said to me, you know what? There's nothing else on. He goes, give me a lineup. And I gave him a lineup. He started watching. He started playing NASCAR DFS. And I'm not the top, I'm not the top NASCAR expert in my family. I just want to say that. Okay. Okay. My son, Sean Angle writes NASCAR for Rotoballer. He wrote his first article, published article when he was 14 years old on fantasy NASCAR. He's won six DraftKings tournaments. And you, you can find his analysis on rotoballer.com. So awesome. Keeping yeah. it in the family. I love it. Keeping the family. The whole family loves NASCAR. My my wife, Victoria, she she likes NASCAR. She was a big Dale Earnhardt Jr. fan. It's the one sport where we all get along in the house because my son and I are Met fans and my wife is a Yankee fan. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I have a, so I, it's funny. I have a, cu- a couple cousins from Alabama. One went to Bama. One went to Auburn. Uh, you know, yeah. brothers, uh, and so that that that's always an interesting conversation. You know, I'm actually yeah. I, I, you know I'm not huge in NASCAR, but I, I like racing. I grew up in Indy, uh, so when they started racing at the brickyard, you know, racing the brickyard, then I started paying more attention to NASCAR uh, and became a Gordon fan because he won in the the inaugural brickyard 500 or 400, excuse me. Uh, and, and plus, he's got Indiana roots, so I, I started rooting for him a little bit there. So Gordon, Gordon is one of the nicest athletes in all of the entire in all of tire sports. Yeah, and and the NASCAR drivers they play fantasy football too. Of course, Austin, Austin Dillon's always texting me about his lineup. Denny Hamlin loves it. Uh, Matt Kenseth, uh, you know, a lot of the drivers. Dale Earnhardt Jr. A big fantasy football player, you know they're very into it. I feel bad for them because they're racing on Sundays and they can't keep up. But I've heard stories like Tim Hudson and the Braves used to tell me that on the bench on a Sunday there would be one rookie. They would give his be his job to run in the clubhouse and check the television and report back to everybody what's happening in fantasy football on the Braves bench. That that's not a terrible job to have to do. I got to imagine. So yeah, it's all good. Hey, before we uh, finish up, a quick note from uh, our last sponsor: Prediction Strike is a fantasy sports stock market on which you can buy and sell shares of professional athletes as if they were stocks. 
Ever heard someone say, I had stock in this player since day one? Well, now Prediction Strike makes that a real possibility. You had stock in Patrick Mahomes in his rookie year? You knew this would happen? Now it's a reality. Create a portfolio of all your favorite athletes and get closer to the game than ever before. To get started, simply visit PredictionStrike.com to create an account. Then deposit funds to buy, sell, and hold shares of your favorite players, just like you would real stocks. Each game is like an earnings report. If the, if the player beats his projection, his stock moves up. It's that easy. You can trade your shares of players at any time, as long as the player is currently in a game. Get started today by visiting PredictionStrike.com and sign up with code ROTOWIRE to get an additional $10 with your first deposit of $20 or more. Kind of reminds me of the old Wall Street sports. Remember that site, Scott? Way back then. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I do. And I like the underdog promo. Underdog and yeah. old cartoon. But look, I, I went on a lot of tangents, Jeff, today. People are listening to this for information. So I'm going to give you my super sleeper for 2020. How's that? Sounds like a plan. Let's hear it. Yeah. Okay. This is a player that nobody's talking about. I'm sure somebody – I say nobody, I generalize. Most fantasy analysts are not on him. The only people that I've seen talking about him other than myself is Matthew Berry. Dan Arnold of the Arizona Cardinals is going to finish as a back, at least as a back-end fantasy tight end one. Kyler Murray loves this guy. The Cardinals love, love him. They talk about his ability to moss people in the end zone. They picked him up late last year. They eat developed an instant rapport with Murray, caught two touchdowns in three games and finished the season with six catches for 76 yards. Dan Arnold is a free agent in just about every league. People the people listening to this podcast, are uh, he's available. So make sure you get him. He is my super sleeper. If you're still drafting and you wait on tight end, do the double sleeper strategy. Grab Chris Herndon first and grab Dan Arnold next. I like it. I like yeah. it. That is a deep pull, and I, I, I've heard a little talk about Dan Arnold, but not a lot. You're right. He has been – Yeah. And here's the thing. This is one of the reasons why – got him in a 28th round in a, in, a, in, a, in a best ball league. Yeah. This is one of the reasons why I do the, the, this podcast where the rotating guest every week is because, you know, it's easy to get within your own circle, right? You know, you, you get that kind yeah. of uh, – Echo effect. You start talking about the same guys all the time. You know, I do a show with Liz every day. We talk about the same guys. You do drafts with other people. You talk to other people. You start to realize, you know, there's whole different lines of thinking, and it's really good. You don't always agree with everyone, but it's good to hear different approaches and hear, oh, I didn't think about it in this this way. I think I like I like hearing things like that. Yeah, you know, you we respect each other in the fantasy industry. We listen to each other. In the- in the fantasy industry. If somebody else comes up with a deep sleeper, I give them credit. You know, it's yep. uh, Mike Tagliari of fantasy pros does a great study on, I was talking about age on, you know, what, what is the, the old age for a wide receiver running back, etc. You know, and I, I like, I like to that, uh, you know, when I do my articles and that's proof that anybody who thinks Julio Jones is old, he's not, he's 31. Right, right, and you do, you see that all the time. I went on their pod last year. It was an f- excellent pod. Uh, I had a really good time doing that there. And yeah, the, you know that's the thing is this industry is huge now, Scott. I couldn't possibly yeah. listen or, or to watch or read everybody in this in this space. Just not no. enough bandwidth, not enough time in this world. No, but you you like everybody else. You get your key people that you follow on Twitter and. Yep. Yeah, you know, I can't be on Twitter all day, but whenever I pop on there, it's, there's something buzzing that you know that I I, I take a look at. It you know, it inevitably always happens. You know, the one other thing I would say is I watched footage of Leonard Fournette today, and he looks fantastic. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned that, and uh, he'll get in there eventually. Uh, if not a whole lot this particular week, uh, I don't think he's. A, a, yeah, I don't think I don't feel comfortable starting this week in the league. I have him, but I want to be there when he's when he dominates. Or, if, or when he, he is. He, he is going to be. You can see he's happier in uh, in Tampa Bay. It's a more balanced offense where he's not facing stack fronts. He'll have way more opportunities to finish off drives. Those defending Ronald Jones are only doing it because they drafted him and they want to talk him up. 
and they don't want it to happen. But that that's that's not how the that's not how the NFL works necessarily. Like like we said, like we said, uh, right? Like like I like I said, you know, just because you want something to happen doesn't mean it's going to happen. The the uh, now the Buccaneers would have never signed Leonard Fournette if they had confidence that Ronald Jones was going to be their guy. There was all the writing on the wall, the cliche goes, before they signed Fournette, they drafted Vaughn, they signed McCoy, because they can't trust Ronald Jones. And no matter what they say publicly, and you know coach speak is nothing to listen to, Leonard Fournette's the guy, man. He's, he, he, he's what they've been looking for. The search is over for running back. I think you're probably right about that. Uh, yeah. one, uh, one news item, and then we're going to close with questions. Uh, Daniel Hunter uh, is headed to the IR for the Vikings for the fir- at least the first three weeks. He was dealing with a hamstring, and they also said he tweaked something in his neck. So they're without him for this, this week against the Packers and in the next two weeks. Uh, probably good news if you've got Aaron Jones going anywhere. Well, not really because, you know, they, although it might take time, uh, they acquired Nagakwe. Yeah, that's true. You know, that's it's still it's still a good defense. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see how much he can contribute right away. I uh, I think I think it bodes well for Rodgers though cuz it might be a little bit less of a pass rush, but then again, they got the Gokwe. You know, if he can stop him step in right away, say, "Oh, if I told you a few weeks ago, you said, "Jeff, uh, no Daniel Hunter, but they got Nagakwe. He'd be like, we'd both be like, yeah, that's still a good defense, right? Right. And they turned over their secondary. You know, this is a team that, uh, you know, pretty much all, you know, three new corners. You know, Xavier Rhodes is gone. Trey Waynes and uh, Mackenzie Alexander went to the Bengals. Uh, you know, I, I, I think, uh, I think Rhodes was probably slipping a little bit anyhow. But still, it's it's a brand new team now. They're in that. Uh, so you got him. You got, to, you got to look at those things in week one. I already saw somebody I respect saying, you know, I like Tyrod Taylor this week against the Bengals again. It's based on last year. The Bengals, the, Tyrod Taylor has not played in a game with his new team, and the Bengals look kind of improved on defense. Yeah, although so, Waynes is out. That's the one negative yeah. is he has the torn yeah. pectoral. Yeah, but it's still Tyrod Taylor. So yeah, and the other good news is I think their linebacker core, which was so weak last year, is improved. They drafted three of them. Uh, and I think yeah. that's the area. And they signed a guy out of uh, Baltimore, too, so I kind of like that. Uh, got a couple questions. You uh, good to answer a couple questions on the way out here? Of course. All right. John Braska, who's a really good NFFC player. He shouldn't be asking questions. We should be asking him. But, yeah. Uh, uh, he goes, do you think the Tampa Pass offense, Brady, Go- uh, Godwin, Gronk, Evans, are more of a bust or steal at their current draft positions? Uh, Godwin's about where he should be. Uh, Brady's a little bit of a discount because you can get him in a 10th round. Uh, Evans, I think, is overrated. Uh, Gronk, I got in the 14th round of a draft the other night, so I think he's a bit of a bargain there. It really depends on who you're playing with, and he's in the NFFC. I don't know. Maybe only Brady's a bargain there. Yeah. Um, I think you're probably right. Well, Gronk's a bargain. You got him in the 14th. That's crazy. I've seen him go in the twelfth and thirteenth in some NFC drafts too lately, and I, I thought those were good, good draft picks at the time. Uh, you know, especially if Evans is sidelined a little bit, he, at least in the red zone, that's more targets for Gronk. Yeah, it's and if Gronk gets hurt, you know, OJ Howard could finally do something. Yeah, yeah, and he's had a phenomenal camp, whatever that means. Uh, but I, I'm still I'm, I'm one of the last Howard stands. I, I have him in a few leagues still, and like hoping that. I mean, he's got so much talent, Scott. I just just doesn't get those opportunities. No, he he's got so much talent, but he doesn't do enough with it. Yep. You know that that seemed to be a thing in Tampa Bay. Yeah, that's true. All right, Taylor asks, "What is the best fantasy football article you've read this year?" Jacob Gibbs on Sportsline.com uh, does a round by round guide. Okay. Uh, what what to do from every single pick in the draft? It's a three feature series, one through five, six through nine, ten through twelve. He tells you no matter what slot you're picking in, what to do in every single round strategically, and provides full player list by every round. It is the most amazing effort I've seen this year, Very and there's a lot. That's no knock on anybody else in the industry. 
that's a great question, Taylor. I love it. Anthony yeah. Servino asks, better dynasty stash, Penny or Dallas? Uh, I'm going to go Dallas. He's versatile. He's got a great work ethic from all published reports. They really like him. I would not be surprised in two years if he's the Seahawks lead back. Okay. Uh, and, uh, good answer. And you you would know. You are the Seahawks yeah. guy in our industry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I go to you for all Seahawks info. Eric uh, Romoff, who uh, ran this pros with Joe's draft, uh, the whole series of drafts, in fact, Asked which rookie running backs, running back or backs, are expected to have a role that are you fading in week one? Oh, definitely. We talked about DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins. Just I don't expect him to do much of anything either. Yeah, not this week. Probably not this week. No, got to be patient on them. You know, outside of Edwards Hilaire, and you know, we don't even know what Taylor's role is going to be. He's like, he's part time. But it's the, it's against Jacksonville though, and I understand the personnel is not the same. But it's not improved for the better. I mean, they just tra- traded away Ngakwe and Harrison. I mean, ugh, don't like it. I mean, you could see a thing where they get the lead, and you know it's Mac helping them get the lead, and then what, then after that, you know, they're giving Taylor a lot of reps to kind of replicate a preseason game. So I could see that. Yeah. Okay. You could see that too, uh, and I, I you know, I, I, when I did my rankings, I think I have like Taylor twenty three and Mac thirty. I could, I could, could easily flip flop them though, and I could easily move both of them up more too, possibly. I think, yeah, it, it's I, gonna be very unpredictable there, right? The Colts, you know, yeah. they want to run the ball. You know, that's that's the truth. Yeah, behind that offensive line, and you know, you got Rivers. He's thirty eight. Mm-hmm. He, he hasn't really developed a rapport with his receivers. Etc. You know, I don't like T.Y. Hilton this year necessarily. You know, you could see that in some Naheem Hines, you know, miniature Austin Eckler there. Right. You could. You very well could see all three. Uh, that's the tricky part. Yeah. Committee. And that's a pet peeve of mine. A committee is three three running backs. Two running backs is a timeshare. I've never been on a two person committee. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> All right, we'll end on that note. Scott, this has been a lot of fun. I, I really appreciate you making some time for me, and I love the uh, the war stories. I, I think that's uh, something that you, it's real. I think that'll be interesting for a lot of people. And uh, again, uh, looking forward to uh, interacting with you again in the future. At the very least, hopefully, see you in Tower Wars in March. You know what? I'm in third place right now. Awesome. Did you see that big big trade I made the other day? No. What was it? I uh, my pitching is very very deep. And I need a bat to try to contend. So I made a trade with Ron Chandler. Uh, I gave up Ramiel Tapia and Walker Bueller to get Luke Weaver and Freddie Freeman. Wow, that is a big deal. Yeah. And that was before this week? Yeah, before this week. So before the blister start yesterday then. That worked out well for you. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, it's uh, my biggest blockbuster deal since I've been in, in Town Wars, nice. I think. Very yeah. Nice. Well, hey, good luck down the stretch on that, uh, and have fun. Good luck tomorrow night, too. Yeah, good luck to you, Jeff. It's always a pleasure to be with you. you, you you're not only one of a Hall of Famer as a professional, you are as a person, too. Oh, thank you very much. You're, you're too yeah. kind, and you are also a Hall of Famer. Uh, and, thank you. Thank you, my friend. Yeah. All right, that's going to wrap up today's podcast. Coming up tomorrow, John McKechnie, Mario Puig, going to break down uh, probably Thursday night, talk a little DFS as well mixed in there. Thanks again for listening to Rotowire. Please subscribe, rate, and review. As always, it does mean a lot to us, and have a great day.